morning. Very backloaded this morning. Big empty section right here, lotting back. Pretty good on this side. So pretty glad to have everyone, not pretty glad, but really glad to have everyone here. Uh, and really appreciate those of you that made it out the last two Sunday nights for the debates. Uh, that was rather interesting, and they're online, and so hopefully you'll be back again tonight, not having a debate, but we're here to worship and study, so hopefully you'll be here at 4 o'clock uh, for that. You know, I was thinking about this passage the other day as I was thinking about a phrase that is said very often, man, if I were God, last time either you said that or you heard someone say that, was it when things were going really well for you? Like, man, if I were God, I wouldn't have given me that promotion. If I were God, I wouldn't have got me well in two days instead of a week. If I were God, I would have designed it exactly this way. No. Most of the time, and I was trying to think if I've ever heard it in a positive way, I don't think I have. Most of the time, if not all of the time, when you say or when you hear, if I were God, it is because we have not submitted to God's righteousness. And the way that the term righteousness is used in the book of Romans is used two different ways. The things that are right, and then also a way in which God makes man right. And what we have here, what wasn't being done was people were not submitting to the way in which man would be made right by God. They were seeking to establish their own way. That's a, if I was God. Because I want to do it my way. I like it better this way. And so we might not ever utter the words But we might have that very principle of if I were God, this is what I would think, this is what I would do. But as we think about in the Lord's church, in my church, Jesus says, no, 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 you submit to God's order. That's what it's all about, is that we submit to God's order, the way He has arranged it, the way He has appointed it, all of those things, not what I would like to do. And so this morning we're going to look at three reasons why people don't submit to God's order, but why we should and flip those very things. So three reasons why we don't. I want to begin with one that you might hear this sentiment. The sentiment is, well, I think that this is the way to do it. I just feel like God doesn't really care about that. You know, I just, he just doesn't, that's not the way I think. This is not what I feel. You say, well, what is that? I'm going by my instinct. I'm going by what is innate within me, what is drawing me, and what I think and what I feel, and I let that govern my thinking, I let that govern my actions. And so people live in that way. I want you to consider a passage there in Romans chapter 8. Just flip a couple pages over. 
In Romans chapter 8, those that are in Christ, there is no condemnation for them. I want you to pick up in verse 5. As he's just said that everyone that is in Christ, it is great for them. But notice verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh, they set their minds on the thing of the flesh. I want you to just think about the flesh. What guides it? Your desires, your hunger, your desire for various other things. The things that would make you feel good. Those who live by the flesh, they live after that way. So pick up now with me in verse 6 here. Or excuse me, middle of verse 5. But those who live according to the Spirit. So we have one group that is living according to their flesh, their instinct. And we have another group that is living according to the Spirit of God. And so consider it here. They set their minds not on the things of the flesh, but they set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh, on the instincts, that mind is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who walk in the flesh cannot please God. You see what happens when we start walking after the things of our feelings, the things of our emotions, and that's what we're constantly set on. And our idea of being set there is that's what we think about. That's why our attention is paid. It is paid to the things of the flesh. When we set our mind to that, the result is death. It's not a good result. It is not everything will be okay. The result of setting my mind opposite to what the Spirit of God wants me to do, but rather my spirit, that ends up in death every single time because I am an enemy of God. That mindset goes against God. It is at odds with God. It is fighting with God. And so that is when we throw out, if I were God, I would rather it be this way because I'm fighting against what He says. And God recognizes that. He says, all right, that's fine. I'll kill you. I'll put you out. Because you won't submit. You won't give up that feeling For him, that mind cannot submit to God, and that mind cannot please God. You're not a friend, you're not a son, you're not a child, you're an enemy. You're right. You're dead. You're dead to me. If you think about these very physical things. And the reason why I even chose the word instinct is from a passage where it talks about false teachers in the book of 2 Peter. I want you to turn to 2 Peter chapter 10, chapter 2. I want you to think about this phrase. This phrase, for whatever reason, ever since I noticed it, it really jumped out at me. But there is a phrase, they are creatures of instinct. These false teachers that are going around teaching all these different things, they just act like creatures. And we know that of animals, right? Dogs, they react based on their instinct. Cats, they react based on their instinct. 
Lions, tigers, bears, oh my, they all react based off of their instincts. And so they go all about it. So here's here's what some of these people do, verse 10. Especially those who indulge in the lust of the flesh. People that give into their passions, their flesh, their instincts, okay? And notice the second part of that. And despise or reject authority. They don't want anybody else telling them what to do. They do it their own way. So they're bold. They're willful. And they do not tremble. They're not afraid to say anything about anybody, even those whom are greater than they are. But twelve, but these like irrational animals, creatures of instinct, born to be caught and destroyed. Man, that's pretty serious when you reject authority and you're living how you want, that your whole existence is to be caught and destroyed. God says it's okay if you kind of do what you think and what you feel. It's not that big of a deal. It's not that death enemy born to be caught and destroyed. It's pretty big, right? But if you go back there to Romans 8, you got the flip side. What God wants of us in His church And the church that belongs to Jesus there in Romans 8, as we already saw, is not people that have their mind set on the things of the flesh, but those that set their mind on the things of the Spirit of God. So what I care about is not what I think or what I feel, but rather what God has said, what God has given through His Spirit. And notice the result of that verse 6. Is that the other one was death, but notice verse 6, the result. For the mindset of the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life. Not only do you not die, you live and peace. You're not an enemy of God. You're not hostile to God. You are in fellowship with God. You are working with God. You are at peace with God. But that is only if we have that mindset. So what do we do with our instincts? We are creatures of instincts in one sense, right? We all feel things. We all have urges. All of these things happen as human beings. So what do I do with those? I want you to go to Hebrews, the fifth chapter. There's a certain level of maturity. That is required in being a Christian. You know, like when we, when you first become a Christian or you first give, uh, and you decide, you know what, I'm going to get my life straightened up, right? You've done things for so long that are just wrong. And I thought things for so long that are just wrong. But it's still the natural thing for me to do. It's still my instinct to go that way. Well, you're natural. So I have to work really hard, especially in that day, 
And in those periods of life where I have to say, okay, what's the Spirit of God saying to do? What does God say to do? Rather than, and so maybe, in fact, maybe it's a little easier at that point. Because you know you don't know. Or I know I don't know. And so I'm really looking at that point. But as you get a little older and you get a little more mature, here's what happens after you've done that. You've gone through the process. What is in verse 14? He's used that illustration here of babies, they don't eat meat, they eat milk. And adults, they don't drink only milk, they need meat as well. They just need those various things. So notice verse 14. But solid food is for the mature. For those who have, as my translation says, their powers of discernment. Your translation may say something like their reasons, or their reasonings, or their faculties. Or the New American Standard says it this way. They have their senses. And the idea is what you know. You have their senses trained. Or as my translation says here, they have trained them by constant practice to distinguish between good and evil. You see, what happens is that we have to train your instincts. I have to teach my instincts, and that word train, if I showed it up to you in the Greek, you would recognize the word gym. you got to go and you got to train You have to make yourself do something that is almost unnatural. Like right now, I'm trying to train myself that donuts are bad and oatmeal is good. I'm not there yet. You have to train your dog. You urinate and you poop outside, not on my carpet or on my bed. It takes time. It's not a flip of the switch and you now got it because there are natural instincts that have to be trained. Or another way, athletically speaking, when I started running, I had to force myself to go. Now, I have to force myself not to go. It's become such a part of me, even though it was not natural to begin with, that as you get older in Christ and we turn this spiritually speaking... I had to teach my gut that my gut was wrong. And I had to teach my gut, this is what God wants of me. And over time, that's the way I begin to feel so that when my urge comes up, the instinct happens. It's no longer what I want. It's what God wants. And it just so happens that what God wants is what I have trained my senses to want. So like David said, man, your words are sweeter to me than the honeycomb. Like he had trained himself to want that more than any fine gold or silver. That I don't think is a 100% natural urge and instinct. But God has designed it within us. If we set our minds on his things and we train ourselves, we can know the difference between good and We can practice good and we can abstain from evil and hold fast to that which is good because we trained ourselves. Our instinct can't, or I shouldn't say, our instinct shouldn't keep us from submitting to God. It just has to be harnessed. It has to be taught those things. Second reason why 
might be found in something like this. Man, okay, so if this happens, then this will happen. So I'm going to do this. You say, well, you, you lost me. Okay, fine, I'll tell you. Put yourself in First Kings chapter 12 and you are Jeroboam. You've been in Egypt because someone was trying to kill you. You get built up to the king. You finally take the northern tribes. They're now yours. And you have a recollection. Oh, man. Every year there is a feast down in Jerusalem. Three times a year the people, the men, are supposed to go down to Jerusalem. If they go down to Jerusalem to worship, they will leave me. So I've got to do something. And that second thing we want to talk about, it might be an instinct or it might be different, but it's fear. It's a fear of losing something. And I want you to notice that in 1 Kings chapter 12. Flip back there to your Old Testament as an example of somebody who let their fear set up their own righteousness. That kept them from submitting to the order of God. The order of God was on the first month and the 15th day you celebrate Passover. And you have priests that are of the tribe of Levi. And you have a place to go worship in Jerusalem. But no, not so with him. Notice there in 1 Kings chapter 25, what was it that he was afraid of? Verse 26, the kingdom will go back to the house of David. I'm going to lose my power, but more than that, the end of verse 27, they will kill me. I gotta be honest with you. Losing people does scare me. Losing my life scares me even more. There is some fear that is involved there. They're gonna, I'm gonna lose it all. So what should I do? Notice what he did in verse 28. So the king took counsel. I want you to notice where he didn't take counsel. He didn't take counsel from God. He didn't go to the law and say, what is the worship supposed to be? He went, and I want you to notice in verse 33, as he made up these things, he devised them from his own heart. What did he devise? Well, he made two golden calves. He said, one at the far north and one at the far south. Very convenient. You don't have to leave the country. You can go. It's right there for you. You go at your convenience. Whoever one is closer to you, that's the one you go to. And here's the gods that brought you out of Israel or out of Egypt. Pretty sweet, right? Don't have to go. It's all right there. Well, that wasn't all he did. He he said, "Well, there are priests that serve and they offer the sacrifices. There's no sense in us just limiting it to the Levites because the Levites might not even want to come up here. So anybody can be a priest. So come on in, come as you are. All are welcome to be a priest." And you can offer sacrifices to the Lord. Well, guess what? They got their own priest. He built places that were more convenient than the high places. Well, you know, you got to go up to Jerusalem to the top of Mount Moriah, and you got to go up to the temple. Well, here are some places. We'll just build them on the top of our mountains. And you can go worship up there. It's going to be a little closer for you. And so he appointed these things, and he appointed a feast like the Passover, the text tells us. But instead of it being the first month of the 15th day, 
It was the eighth month and the fifteenth day. You say, that's just small changes. Nothing's really been changed that much. Still worshiping God, still doing all these things. Well, you know what? As we already saw in verse 33, it all came out of his own heart. It didn't come from God. It came out of him, and he did it because he was afraid of losing the people and losing his life. And I wonder how, how often that happens in today's world. We make little changes. Because if we make big, drastic changes, guess what? That's, that's too much for me. But if we dip our toe in the water... Or, as the saying goes with that frog, right? You're going to fry the frog and he's still alive. you got to turn that heat on low. And just slowly crank it up before you know it, that frog is host. That happens in religion. We've been doing this whole thing on instrumental music, right? Guess what most of the churches that went that way, the churches of Christ here recently decided to do? They had an extra service. That was instrumental. And then they had the a cappella service. Because we can't go all in, because if we go all in on this, people are going to be like, no, 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 we can't go that way. So guess what the people will do? They'll go to some other church. But if we have an optional service, that's what happens. It comes out of your own heart. It comes up in his own setup. And it's just a little bit... And before you know it, man, we gave an inch and they took a mile. So all it takes is just these little things because I was just scared that I would lose something. And so in John 12, when people are asking, now who is Jesus? Who is this guy? I want you to notice what it says of the rulers there, of the people and the Pharisees and of those scribes. That verse 42 Nevertheless, many of the authorities even believed in him. So they believed in him, but for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it. They believed that Jesus was who he was, but they were afraid of being put out of the synagogue. And if you're a Jew and you're put out of the synagogue, you're toast. You got no business, you got no friends, you got no nothing. But they did not confess. And why didn't they confess? Verse 43. For they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. See, that's what happens. We get so afraid about people and pleasing people that we forget about pleasing God. And so what you have there in the Lord's church... If God is for us, who can be against us? Like, I shouldn't be that afraid of saying, you know what, I believe that Jesus is the Christ. But that's not usually where we have our problem taking our stand, is it? Wes, what do you think about women preachers? Wes, what do you think about... Anyone being accepted by Christ, whether they are homosexual, straight, transgender, whatever. Those are the questions that gets a little scary. I'll be honest with you. It's easier for me to disagree with my own friends that are that way, that have 
certain beliefs about things because we're already friends. And we already have disagreements about other things. But when it comes to people that I don't know, and they ask me, what do you think about this? I'm a little more hesitant, actually. Because I want them to like me. I want them to listen to what I have to say, whatever the case may be. And so maybe I'm a little soft rather than, again, someone asking me. I'm not saying we're going out there and blasting. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying somebody asked me, and put yourself back in that statement. Jesus asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? Because they were debating among themselves, now who is this guy? And you got people that believed that he was the Christ, but they weren't willing to say it. In that conversation, you believe one way or the other, and you're not willing to say it because I'm afraid of whatever I might lose. i got to remind myself, man, if, God, if, if I'm on God's side, what does it matter? He's got me. Everything's going to be all right. And Jesus understood that in John 11. He's, they're trying to kill him in Jerusalem. They just picked up stones to stone him in chapter 10. And he tells the disciples, we've got to go to Judea because we've got to go see Lazarus. And Lazarus is dead. But they say, don't you know that they're trying to kill you? And Jesus tells a little parable. He talks about, he says, how many hours are in the day? Are there not 12 hours in the day? Yeah. Man walks in the light, he doesn't stumble. Man walks at night, in the darkness, he stumbles. And what I think Jesus is saying to them is, when you're out there walking the day, guess what? i got nothing to be afraid of. I'm not worried about stumbling or falling because I can see. But if I'm out at night, I've got everything to be afraid of. I'm very timid. I'm very... Right? Jesus wasn't afraid. He had no reason to fear because He knew what was going to happen. And the book of 1 John 4, kind of building on that, remember chapter 1, walk in the light as He is in the light, and we have fellowship with Him. We close out chapter 4... By saying, and I want you to flip to 1 John chapter 4, and I don't know when a person reaches this in their spiritual maturity and in their spiritual walk, but he says again in verse 15, Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he is in God. So we have come to know and believe that he is love and God is love. Don't go to verse 17. By this, love is perfected in us or with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as He is also, so are we in the world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love or mature love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in I don't know about you, but I am not there yet. But what he's saying is, as a Christian, you can have complete confidence that you don't have to be afraid to stand before anyone, including God, on that day of judgment. Because you've walked as He has walked. And that gets us to the closing point here that will transition into our next. I want you to go to Romans chapter 2.
Remember in John 12, they believed, but they didn't confess because they loved the glory that comes from man rather than the glory that comes from God. In Romans 2, you have people that they are patient. They continue in doing good, and they seek, and that same word they're looking for, glory and honor and immortality, and He will give them eternal life. What I think they're saying is they're looking for the glory that comes from God and He'll reward them, right? But you contrast that in verse 8 here. But for those who are self-seeking. See, that gets us to our third point. i got to look out for number one. Numero uno. It's all about me. Look what I've done. Look at me. I've got all this going on. And so we want fame. We want recognition. We want what is best for West. I hope you want what's best for West. Because that's what I want. No, that's what that's the way we think about it. And what he's saying here, verse 8 of Romans 2, when you are out there and you are looking for yourself, you do not obey the truth. It's not going to happen. When I'm looking out for me, it's not going to be me who is right. And so I get in my own way. That's my third thing. Me is it. I want you to think about it from another perspective just a little bit. Go there to the book of Third John. It's going to give you an example. We know diatrophies, right? What did Diotrephes love? King James says preeminence. Alright? Let's put that in, in modern day terms. He loved to be first. He wanted everyone to know him. He wanted to be the one in control. He wanted to be the one in power. So whatever worked best for Diotrephes is what works best for everyone. You ever had a mentality like that? If it's good for me, it's good for thee. It's good for everybody. Because it's good for me and so I'm going to be first. It is all about me. That's inconvenient. Yeah, but it's me. It's me. Right? That's diatrophies. And so we put people out in church. He did all these different things. Or you think about Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel chapter 4. And I do want you to flip there and probably put a marker there because I'm going to come back to it on the final slide. Remember, he has a vision about some tree getting chopped down. And Daniel comes in and he interprets that for him. And he says, well, that, that's you, O king. You're going to go down. You're going to lose your reason. You're going to lose all these things. You're going to walk like a beast. And you're going to act like a beast. Which, by the way, is what he did. He went about like an animal, a creature of instinct. Let's use that, right? He lost all reason. And the moment in which that takes place, in which that happens, notice what he says in verse 30 as he's walking on his roof. He's looking over his kingdom. He says, Is not this the great Babylon which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence? And here's the phrase, For the glory of my majesty. I did all of this for me and look at what I've done. And at that moment, while the words were still in his mouth, the voice of heaven said, Your tongue. He did it all for His glory, His majesty. The disciples 
as they're sitting around the table that we just remembered, they're arguing about who's going to be the greatest. And Jesus says to them there in Luke chapter 22 and verse 26, He says, let the leader among you become the servant. But there was a phrase in there, but let him who's the oldest be the youngest. And I thought about that this week. You ever pulled rank on somebody? I'm older than you are. I've been doing this a long time. I'm captain, your sergeant, whatever the, the order is. You pull rank on them. Jesus is saying, you don't pull rank. You serve. Because here I am, I'm your leader, I'm your greatest, and here I am going to wash your feet. You do the same thing because I'm thinking it's about me. And he's saying, no, it's about the others. So I hope you're still there in Daniel 4. I just want to pick up what Nebuchadnezzar says in verse 34 as he writes this with his own hand. He says, at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven and my reason returned to me. And I blessed the Most High and I praised and I honored Him who lives forever. For His dominion is an everlasting dominion. And His kingdom endures from generation to generation. And all the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing. And He does according to His will among the host of heaven. And among the inhabitants of the earth, none can stay His hand or say to Him, What have you done? You see what Nebuchadnezzar came to the conclusion of once he got himself out of it? Is that... No one can question God. God knows what is best. And so verse 36, At the same time my reason returned to me, and for the glory of my kingdom, my majesty and splendor returned to me. He got everything back. And my counselors and my Lord sought me. But here it is, verse 37. And I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven, For all His works are right, and His ways are just. And those who walk in pride, He's able to humble. Nebuchadnezzar was not asking, and he was not saying, man, if I were God, because he learned he was not God. God cannot be questioned. And I, too, need to learn. I am not God. Who am I to question Him? I just submit to Him. I know I went a little longer. I hope that that was okay. And you won't burn me in effigy or stone me or anything like that. But that would be acceptable. One of the ways that we submit to God is we obey what He says to do about becoming one of His children about how our sins are forgiven and how if we believe in Jesus and we confess and we are baptized into Jesus for the remission of our sins, He is faithful and He is just and He will forgive those sins. Maybe you're ready to do that this morning. Or maybe you need the prayers of the congregation here uh, in some way. Won't you come now as we stand and as we sing?